Wagner Seistek is with us in the virtual studio here at Biz News after a story last week about you losing money. I've got 50,000 people already have read it. And I think there's a, there, maybe there's a bit of schadenfreude in that to say, well, Magnus has been getting it so right with the offshore stuff that even he can lose money once in a while. Indeed. I, I'd, I'd like to see somebody who's been in financial markets as long as I and you and David Shapiro and, and not have made mistakes. We all make mistakes. And, and this one was a particularly bad one in the sense that I did everything wrong as far as this investment was concerned. I was swayed by emotion. I was swayed by the bull market that was punted by everyone. I'm talking about the big property bull market, the newspapers, the media, the radios, the seminars were all about building a property empire. I fell for it and and, and I was persuaded by a family member. You know, we're going to make so much money. We buy property, we build a house and sell it or rent it. And of course, it was right at the top. And, And thousands of other South Africans are still paying the price for that. And I, I see it daily. People say, I can't sell my property. And it's quite true. It took me 13 years to sell that property, even though I'd put it on the market about eight years ago. There was just no buyers. And the pro- the thing is with property, especially a stand that does not produce an income, you are liable for the rates and taxes, the levies, and it can affect your credit record. And it's just a lesson to the younger investors Whenever there's a little upturn in the property market, you have these people who go around and say, well, property is the way to make money and build an empire. And I'm saying, forget about it. It's not, especially not in South Africa and with the macroeconomic environment that we have here. But it is a lesson to people. Don't be swayed by emotions and don't be swayed by pressure groups and fear of missing out. All the rules I broke and I paid the price. Well, I, I love the fact that you trumpet your failures, but you have also done incredibly well out of property. Where did you not make those mistakes? You know, in the, in the strangely enough, Alec, you have to go back in time. After the Soweto riots, we're going back 45 years ago. From 1977 to 1980, we had a commodity boom as well. And the economy was growing at 6%. And in that period, it was easy to make money. And then just after the 94 elections, the property market was incredibly strong up to about 2008. The rules had changed over time. And a lot of people did make a great deal of money, myself, including buying in places like Danefern, when I was told, you know, it's so far in the felt. So yes, we made some nice, good money. But then 2008, the rules changed as far as property. Property does very well when, A, the economy is growing very, very rapidly. Two, when money is freely available and the banks are eager to to grow their mortgage books, which they were doing 2002 to 2008. And thirdly, money was cheap. That is when the property market does extremely well. That's why the United States, United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand are having enormous bull markets. If you look at the interest rates in those countries, it's 1% or 2%. People are refinancing mortgages at below 1% in the United Kingdom. So money is so cheap. You just buy a second or a third property and you build an empire. South Africa's interest rates have been way too high to try and do that trick, you know, with, with bond rates between 8 and 10%, you, you just, you just, uh, you just don't, I don't stand a chance as far as interest rates are concerned.
So things changed in 2008, and if circumstances were to change to, to that kind of a situation, then presumably you'd look at property again. But for the moment, is there any property development in South Africa that you would be uh, maybe attracted to looking at as an outlier? You know, there are certain areas, you know, but you're not going to make a mountain of money. It's not an easy way to make money. Yes, the Western Cape, France, Paul, Waldevie, maybe George uh, Wilderness area, there's a demand for property there, but you're still not going to make a lot of money. You're, you've got two things against you. One is the high cost of money in South Africa. And secondly, the second one is the dramatic increase in rates and taxes over the last 10 to 15 years. And it's not only residential property that is suffering from this. The commercial property guys are, are suffering even more. They are saying it's just physically possible to make the kind of returns that they used to with interest rates at, at, at these levels and, more importantly, uh, administered prices, as they call it, just rocketing through the roof. So administered prices, which is, in effect, a, a, an additional tax, on, on, on property owners is just killing all the growth. And, and we're all paying the price. And it's, it's unreported. I mean, you're about one of the few media outlets who writes about it. But I look at balance sheets of people all day long. I, I checked some prices myself over the weekend. I looked at Pekinwood, for instance, and, and, and the areas around the dam. The prices there today, Alec, are the same as they were eight, maybe even 10 years ago. So people have been banking on that capital appreciation uh, in preparation for the retirement are finding that that is actually such a drag on the capital that it is destroying many, many retirement dreams. Because I can buy the same house I sold in Pekinwood 10 years ago for the same price. So someone who bought it from me has had no capital appreciation in 10 years. And, uh, you know, that, that you can multiply all around the country the top end of the property market has virtually come to a standstill. Price movements are, are very, very far below the inflation rate if you take it over a 10, 12-year period. So it has affected a lot of people. And as, and to answer your question, I would be very, very selective. You're looking for a well-run uh, uh, province, first of all. And secondly, you're looking for a well-run municipality. And that kind of limits you to places like uh, uh, Paul, Stellenbosch, Franschuk, uh, and maybe George Wilderness and Mossel Bay. And that's where you'll find where the guys are still, there's still an active property market. But many, many small towns, medium towns in the country, you come from the KwaZulu-Natal countryside. And I mean, those towns just don't have a conventional property market anymore. And if they do, at prices that, you could hardly believe our, uh, if you stood back 10 or 15 years ago. Well, it's so interesting you mentioned that because I have uh, good friends in Hilton and Howick, which of course is now the DA run uh, municip the only DA run municipality in KZN, um, with uh, young Chris Tapp uh, Pappas who's taken over there. And suddenly the prices have gone yes. very, very strong in that area. But what about uh, to, in the north coast of KZN? We had some BT. Uh, which did pretty well, and now there's a, there's a big development there at Blairsdale, uh, which I guess is uh, it's it's been around for a long time, but it seems to be getting new life now. Are there pockets uh, like that, Zimbali? Yeah. Where there's yeah. you know there's lots of property on the on the market at, in Zimbali. Are there pockets that are worth 
looking at if you're a long-term investor? Yeah, look, Zambali is fantastic. Blythedale uh, is, I've been on the sites, you know, that has had some legal problems and, and, and so on, and that's happening now. And I think that will be a good development over time. But it will not still not be the, the shortcut to riches that, that, you know, a generation or two were, were told, you know, property is your way to make money in South Africa. The macroeconomic environment is against us. The political environment is against us. But yeah, North, Northern Kozula Natal, Mishlonga up to Belito, there are some wonderful developments. But it is still, um, you know, it's not a shortcut to riches that it used to be. Uh, and it's definitely not if we compare ourselves with other peer countries, like I mentioned earlier. They are having tremendous uh, property booms. And, and there are uh, political factors that mitigate against that, in, in, in my experience also. Too many young professionals have left the country 10, 20 years ago. And even today, they are or would have been the buyers of the properties that you were selling now. They're simply not in the country. They're all in other parts of the world. They're buying in New Zealand. So you put all those things into a pot. Yes, buy property uh, to live in. It's a home. You raise your kids. But don't think that's going to make your money in the current circumstances. It has to be in the stock market, either in SA or, or preferably still in my view offshore. Now, you sent me some numbers this morning, which are absolutely fascinating. From the bottom of the market in April 2020, that's just after the COVID shock hit, the top 40 shares, uh, well, the, the, the top 10 of the top 40 shares have shown incredible growth. Leading the, the group is Sassel, which at one point, I recall it well, uh, people were talking about it going bankrupt. I, I did decide our research department, how, you know, play around with this numbers. I've, I, I kind of suspected we're going to get this result. So I asked my techies to have a look at the top 10 shares in the top 40, which gives you a good uh, reflection of what happened in our market since the bottom in March 2020. And you'll recall, go back March 2020, Alec, it was the end of the world. The world is coming to a standstill. COVID has changed everything. And boom, suddenly something changed. Not even the smartest experts in the world could have foreseen what happened since then. I mean, we're talking about suddenly there's a commodity boom. And from that low, I mean, Sussel price went eight, up 823%, followed by MTN and, and, and platinum shares, Genko. So, I mean, Sussel was by far the outstanding share to have uh, been in as a consequence of, of oil going up from you, about 18 months ago, oil was trading at below zero. I mean, there, there was a situation in the market that you, you were paying the oil producers to hold your oil or whatever. They were paying the, the market to take the oil that was so cheap and something just happened and people are still working it out. So, yes, eight of those top 10 shares of commodity shares. And as I said to you in my heading, and I've mentioned this before, South Africa just got very, very lucky, not only in the stock market, also from a revenue perspective. All those companies, or most of those companies, uh, paying record, record profits, paying taxes, and suddenly the NC government or the government is flush with cash. Now, therein lies the danger that this will be seen as a permanent and sustainable situation that these revenue levels will be sustained. 
and investors must be very, very careful. And I think Treasury also must be very careful. And they've warned about that. Professor Michael Sachs, he used to be at Treasury, has warned and said, this is, commodity cycles are cyclical and uh, we can have a downturn at any time. And you can't bank on commodities being and staying as high as it is and hence tax revenues. But the danger is now that the government is introducing a big basic income grant. We don't know at what level, but we do know one thing. Once introduced, it will not be taken away and it will probably increase over time. And therein lies the danger for the macroeconomists. They'll be looking at you know, GDP to taxes and those kind of ratios. Which again, yes, it's fantastic when 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 commodities are running. There's money. Uh, we also have an election coming up in two years or eighteen months from now. The danger is that the commodity cycle starts turning down, but our expenditure uh, or budgeted expenditure stays at elevated levels, and then we will pay the price once again. Where do you stand on the whole inflation story? Uh, clearly, if you'd been invested in Impala Platinum, Glencore, Northern, Sabanya, Anglo-American Platinum, uh, you would have made a huge return between March 2020 and today. But those stocks generally, or commodity stocks generally, do well in an inflationary environment because it, they can pass on those prices. And there is definitely a view that inflation is back and it's going to stay. Have you looked at that in any detail? I look at it every day and I ask myself, what the heck is happening? You know, you've got now you have a situation where South African inflation rate is lower than the United States. It hasn't happened in 42 years. And what impact will it have on the Rand dollar exchange rate? What impact will it have on the offshore onshore debate? And secondly, what is the United States government or the Treasury going to do about this? Now, that is the biggest issue in the markets right now. How uh, durable is or will, will, will U.S. inflation likely turn out to be? And what response will you expect from the United States Federal Reserve? They still seem to stick to the storyline that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's only for a short while, transitory. The rest of the market is not buying that story. And they say that the market will be affected by increased interest rates in the United States, maybe five times, seven times, who knows? We don't know. But the market is taking fright as to what higher interest rates can do to not only financial markets, but also currency markets. So, as I said in an earlier podcasts. The easy money has been made. It has been very, very easy to make a lot of money uh, in global markets, especially in the United States. It's been a wonderful ride for 12, 13 years. Now the situation has changed. Now one has to look at your assumptions and be able to change your mindset if the facts change. And sometimes people just can't change their facts or their mindset. But we are in... In uncharted water, in many respects, Alec, and mistakes are going to be made. You know, is it time for gold? I had a long discussion with an investor this morning. He just wanted to buy gold, gold, gold. Gold has done nothing for two years, three years. But it might be the time for gold and gold shares. But uh, uh, I think you need a very diversified portfolio. You need Japan in there. You need a bit of China. You need commodity stocks in there. And maybe, and, and for, for so far, you know, the, the Bitfillions, uh, 
investment style, the investment of value is doing very well. Is this durable? Those are the kind of questions that we faced with on an on an, on, a, on a daily basis. But since the crack in the market, second of January, the value style has outperformed the growth style, and that's something that we need to look at. But that's that's a month, <laughs> I suppose. Well, that's that's that's. It might be early days. It might be a short-term blip. You know, that's why you know it's not that easy anymore to make the kind of money that we did make for our investors. So we just all have to work a little bit harder and try to stick to the facts, not emotions, and put your emotions aside. So, how do you position your clients' portfolios in this uncertain climate? You must understand, Anik, uh, most of our clients have been with us for a long time and they've benefited tremendously from this boom in the offshore markets. And I get emails on a daily basis saying, thank you, I see what you've done. You've externalized my assets. You've priced my investments predominantly in dollars. And I've been saying this for many decades. I'm saying invest in dollars and, and, and pay in rands. That's been a very smart investment strategy. You also have to bear in mind that a lot of clients also have pension fund money, which is priced predominantly in the local market. So they might be taking a bit of pain on the offshore market, but the local funds have suddenly come to their rescue. So the thing tends to balance out. My long-term or our long-term strategy has not changed. We are still telling people, depending on personal situation, how much of your money should you, should you export? Because it depends on your objectives. And we kind of think that the RAND at 1520 and and markets down by between 10 and 15% is not a bad entry level for people with fresh cash because they are buying at a 20% discount to two months ago. Are you buying in the correction with a strong RAND? Uh, we don't know when the, the RAND is going to turn, but you're just buying at a cheaper level than you did two or three months ago. A lot of those top funds that we've been using have had their corrections and they are starting to move up already. Because the, the, the fund managers themselves are not stupid. They are buying when the markets are, are down and when people are selling in panic. I mean, Bailey Gifford, uh, Fundsmith, uh, US, uh, Franklin Templeton, all those funds are up in the last week or two. They, uh, they, they also wide awake. So not a bad time to consider some offshore expansion. But it's all based on your risk profile. And the RAND at 15.20, which does make an international entry a much, much more attractive than obviously 17, 18, even higher. Yeah, look, at 17, we didn't take money offshore. We just, in fact, you know, we all talk about the 17 Rand. I actually went and I checked, you know, the, the Rand was 17.25, I think, for one day. So it, it spiked from 16 up to 17.25 and spiked back to 16. This, the next day. So everybody's, oh, the RAND was at 17 or even 19 or something. It was a one-day event and then that everybody looks at the level. You've got to take the averages per month and the average was about, was never even above 16. It was 15, uh, it, was, it was about 15.85. So even at that level, you, some funds have still given you a positive return. But yes, the currency, you're never going to get right. You know, but the, the, the sad thing is South Africans react when, when the rand is at the weakest, when it's panic, when the rand is crashing, that's when people storm and say, take some money offshore, take some money offshore. And that's normally when we say, not a good idea, just wait until markets settle down. Now at 15, we say, 
not a bad time to be taking money offshore. I've taken some money offshore uh, in the last week or three. I don't know what the right price is. I'm just buying offshore assets at a fair value. And over time, that has been a fairly good strategy.